0: Reach your financial goals with Royal Credit Union. Whether you're borrowing or saving, Royal is here to help put your goals within reach. When you choose Royal Credit Union, you're getting great rates and a financial partner that you can grow with. From savings and checking accounts to vehicle and home loans, Royal offers the financial solutions you need and the advice you can trust. Learn how Royal Credit Union can help with your financial goals and open your account today at rcu.org slash financial goals. Insured by NCUA. Loan subject to credit approval.
1: Enough of the doom and gloom. Bally Sports North's Kevin Gorg joins us to spring some positivity into the Minnesota Wild fan base, and blame me once more for the poor postseason prediction. Plus, Kirsten and I give our off-season priorities list to Bill Guerin. As always, we're created by New Voice Studios. Brought to you by Talk North, Grain Belt, Jim Beam, Livia, and Royal Credit Union. This is season four, episode one seventy-six.
2: At Jim Beam, they know the importance of tradition. Like chanting, let's play hockey prior to the start of each game, or playing the State of Hockey Anthem after a Wild win. This season, raise one to your fan family with the bourbon that invites us all to come as friends and leave as family. Jim Beam Bourbon Whiskey, the official bourbon whiskey partner of the Minnesota Wild and XL Energy Center. Drink smart. Jim in Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. 40% alcohol by volume. Copyright 2021. James B. Beam Distilling Company, Incorporated, Fairmark, Kentucky.
1: Hello, everybody. We're back. Episode 176. On your normal day. You're welcome. We love it. Kind of back to a regular schedule, which unfortunately for us means an off-season schedule. Kirsten, what does your off-season look like? I know uh, a lot of work, but not the fun kind. A lot of work, not the fun kind. Hey, off-season, but
2: bills still got to be paid. I'm a single dog mom, so got to take care of the Bodes. Um, so yeah, work is definitely, unfortunately a priority for me. I, not all of us can just hang out in the backyard. <laughs> Don't be jealous of my lifestyle. I am jealous because that's all I want to be doing. So yes, that is a comment filled with jealousy, but besides that, like, I'm still going to find time to have fun. Hopefully it's a summer filled with Lake days going to baseball games and then some travel mixed in as well. So just, you know, enjoying what Minnesota has to offer in the best time of the year.
1: Exactly. Maybe checking out Canterbury Park to see our boy K train, AKA KG, AKA Kevin Gork. He joins us in the next segment to break down a little bit of the Minnesota wild season, which we did last week while we were very heated Kirsten. Now that we've had a little over a week to really mesh together our feelings. And this is the big, the big controversy. Is it a disappointment? Is it a failure when you instinct is this season for the Minnesota wild, a disappointment or a failure? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, and this might be an unpopular take. I feel any season you don't win the Stanley Cup is a failure. I mean, that's the goal at the end of the year, right? So if you're not the one team, there's 31 teams that failed in their season. That's probably a very dramatic approach. But I mean, you all have the common goal at the end of the day. Um, I would say as far as starting to develop a little more talent, get the young guys a little more accustomed, that's probably more, I don't want to say success because there's still work to be done, but there's promise moving forward. And I think there is some light to be shed on the development of the younger guys, almost like a passing of the torch in Minnesota is what we're approaching. It feels like
1: we're going to get to some of those younger guys and you impact that impact that they're going to need to make because Bill Guerin has no money to pay anybody else. That's not on a ELC or a other small end contract. But I would say in this, I said this on Judd's hockey show and I stand by it, but I love your failure take. That's very true. Every team's a failure. Give them all Fs if they don't win the Stanley cup, right? It's dramatic, but I kind of like it. I said that I think it's a disappointment because my expectations were so low for this team this year, just because I knew that it was going to be some growing pains. I mean, go back to our episode at the beginning of the year. We both thought they were bubble playoff teams at best, right? I wouldn't have even been shocked if they had missed it. So that's why I say it's a disappointment. Like, yes, it's, it's a frustrating disappointment. Mm-hmm. I just, if I'm being honest, I didn't have the expectations for them to do much of anything. And they went and messed around and thought they were really good and whatever. It's, it's frustrating. The playoffs I could say are a failure, right? Because they didn't take mm-hmm. advantage of what they were capable of. But as a whole, the season was just disappointing to me. And that's not to be nice. Somebody was like, well, what it was because you work so closely with the team. Like, no, I just think that. It's, it's not a complete failure because I didn't have the best expectations for them. Uh, so let's not decide with our boy, Billy G who is already Kirsten making some moves, starting with Marcus Johansson, extending him to a two-year contract at a very reasonable 2.1 mm-hmm. or yeah, 2.1 mil. Um, I'm excited about it. I like it. I wanted that to get done. Cause I knew he was one of the more likely affordable unrestricted free agents, but what are your feelings? I think it's huge. I think, I mean, we talked last week about
2: it. I'm pretty sure he was a guy that I mentioned, like this is a deal that needs to get done. Just seeing what he brought after the trade deadline to that wild team, especially playing with Matt Boldy, he was very impressive. So I would say disappointing week, but that was the highlight coming out of this past week.
1: Looking at the rest of the unrestricted free agents. And we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, but now that we have a little bit more clarity on possibly the money, are there any other guys on that list, which includes Matt Dumba, John Klingberg, Gus Nyquist, uh Ryan Reeves? And then I think Sam Steele's a restricted free agent, Philip Gustafson's restricted, Hames restricted, um, anybody on the UFAs that you absolutely want to bring back, no matter how you can make it work.
2: I really want Gustav Nyquist. I really want him back. But I it's probably not gonna be possible. And I'm just bracing myself for that, but just seeing what he brought and how much potential there could be there.
1: I really want him back. I really do. I know. And he's a family guy. So he said he loves the area, which I think bodes well for Minnesota, but that's a lot of money probably going out in order to keep him. I mean, he definitely did a lot. He had probably the best line of why he was so frustrated after getting bounces. He's like, the playoffs are now wide open and they truly Mm -hmm. are wide open. You guys like it's crazy. To see, I find myself watching less and less playoff hockey right now. I'm still in mourning, if you will. Uh, I yeah. would agree though, Nyquist. I think Reeves is probably a possibility just because he is cheap and because I think he really loves it here. Now, I also think to-
2: he would be more willing to take a team friendly deal. I think the only thing with him was he wants more than one year because he doesn't want to move his family yes. around anymore. Right.
1: Right. So I feel but- like
2: that's pretty doable still, though. I, I feel so. like he'd be a little more accommodating because of taking his family into consideration.
1: I mean, yeah, I would, I would agree. And he brings some, you know, a little bit of electricity, not just from the physical presence he has on the ice, mm-hmm. but just in general in that locker. room. we all saw how he really helped get the train back on its tracks. when they traded for him in November. Now this breeds leads me to my next hot take question. Um, I love a hot take they're going to have to trade some people and they're going to have to trade some people that people like, or people think they like. Now the lucky thing for a lot of players is a lot of them have protection. One player who doesn't have protection and people are going to think I hate this poor guy, but I don't, I love him. Probably going to still get him on the pod unless he listens to this and thinks I hate him I'm as well. scared who
2: you're going to say. Cause I think I know who it is and I Marcus don't want Salino. it to be an option. Yeah. I don't want it to be an option. We cannot lose him. And when I saw this tweet, That your ominous tweet about there's going to be names getting traded that you've all come to know and love. I knew you were talking about Marcus Foligno. Take his name out of your mouth. We need him. Keep him. We need him. He's not leaving.
1: He has no protection. He's the easy one to remove from the equation to get a little bit more money. Unfortunately, I know what he brings in the locker room, you guys. I know it. Jesse, I'm looking at you and Bill Guerin. If you are listening, which you better
2: be, I will find people I know to send you this clip. Do not get rid of Marcus Felino. Do not, especially because if you can't afford Dumba, which is very likely that he's gone after any time now, it's very likely he's going to be gone. Who do you have as captain? You have Jared Spurgeon. We know he's a quieter guy. You need a loud presence in that locker Strip room. That's a
1: conversation
2: for another time. Right now, we're talking about Marcus Felino. You need a loud voice. You need that loud presence. That is Marcus Felino. You cannot like, get rid of Felino and Dumba. Sounds like
1: you're making a bid for
2: yourself. For it to be captain? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had bigger aspirations of being in the front office or being head coach. <laughs>
1: this is true. Yeah, you were the coach. I'm the GM. We'll make it work. But no, I No, you're say- the assistant to the general manager. Assistant to the assistant general manager. Yeah. Yes. That- that plays, that plays. Bill Guerin basically gave me the job that he said I should apply for with everybody else. Um, but no, I, I hate to say it to you guys. I really, really do. Like, I really adore Marcus Foligno and everything he does and the person that he is. As a player, he is a dime a dozen. It's not somebody that you're necessarily going to miss. He kind of just, I it, there's no protection. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to ask him to waive anything. You don't have to do this. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I am saying they will have to make a move like that. It's going to be somebody you like. They will have. I'm frankly, again, as we said last year too, there are maybe two or three guys that are, you're not getting rid of. Right. And that's grill Caprizov, Matt Boldy. And I don't even know who else Jonas Brodin, I would guess is probably pretty safe. I'm just I mean, going to say that mostly because that's where I would, those are the three that I would keep safe from anything. Right. Like keep them in my little nest.
2: Well, considering we barely have any defense and we're losing Dumba Jonas Brodin shouldn't even be a question.
1: I I'll keep it. I'll, I'll, I'll lock it up tight in the safe. It'll be fine. And I love Spurge too, but I mean, he's another guy that do you look at freeing up some cap space? Cause Bill Guerin, as it sits right now has something like 8.1 million to play with next year, but you're forgetting the recalls and you have to pay the guys from Iowa. So God forbid somebody gets hurt and it's there's going to need to be movement and it's going to have to be more than Dumba's uh salary coming off the books unfortunately um who would you move then Kirsten if if Felino's a no-go for you and you have to get rid of somebody else to free up a little bit of money to sign maybe Gus Nyquist who you who you who you taking out
2: I mean that's a great question because I don't know like I don't know I, I I don't know why, but right before I went to sleep last night and I was at the Saints game. So this was like after midnight, I literally was laying in bed, going through all of the lines from this season in my head. And I'm like, who could who could we get rid of? That's
1: dedication.
2: Like, I'm okay. not even lying. This was last night in bed. I was just like going through everything in my head. I'm like, what moves could the wild make? I don't know. But don't get rid of Marcus Felino. You can't get rid of Jewel.
1: That's not even a question. That's either. probably another one that's in the nest. Yes.
2: Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Zuccarello. We could get rid of him.
1: You and I spend time in bed very differently.
2: No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Another (laughs) out of context quote from (laughs) Jesse Pierce on the Bardown Beauties podcast. Mm
1: -hmm. Can't wait Uh, till my
2: friend Chris gets a hold of that one. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, everybody.
1: No, uh, the other name, you want me to toss out my other name? And it's not, it's a player that people, it's, I've said it before though. So it shouldn't be that surprising either. I think you look at maybe moving Marco Rossi. Now I'm not saying Marco Rossi is a bust. I'm not saying we're giving up on him. I'm saying he is valued. So if you can get rid of him and again, he's not under any big salary. He'd be one of those young guys that you need to lead. So there is that working for him. But I'm saying if you can, like I said, at trade deadline, you can get something of value for him right now where you're still uncertain I mean, why not? Why not explore it? Package him with something else. Like, I just think that is an option. It has to be an Mm -hmm. option right now Um, because as Bill Guerin said, I mean, they like Marco. They liked the chance he gave him, but he said he needs to get stronger. He needs to get bigger. And, you know, is his development lagging? I don't know. And yes, I'm aware he dealt with some very, very serious health issues and we're so happy that he's back and healthy, but it's just, I don't know. That would be another player.
2: Yeah, I could see that as a possibility, but I don't think Bill Guerin is ready to give up on him just yet. I think he's going to give him another full year, see what he does. And then after that, then if he's still just kind of where he is now, not really advancing, then I could see that being like, okay, like we've tried, it's not working, but I don't think just yet he's ready to pull the plug on that
1: right and again i being aware that they need to have young guys like marco to step up especially for the next two years while the ryan Souter and zach parisi um cap hits are remaining i it's it's probably less likely but it's an option i bill Guerin will consider every option you all know this like we're not gonna be surprised i just want to forewarn everybody and give a preemptive hug to all of you who maybe are attached to certain players that are probably no longer going to be with the team. I won't even I know name the rest of the you're looking at names. me
2: and saying this to me. I don't want it either. Like I I own his jersey. I am committed. That's you don't I will hold a candlelight vigil for myself if that happens.
1: First of all, why do you have a name jersey? You don't we don't do that. I have a name jersey because
2: he's I've talked a lot about Jonas Brodeen and how he's like my favorite but like Marcus Foligno is my favorite.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I'm curious. I, this is always a hot take also like a, a hot button topic. If you will not necessarily a hot take names on jerseys. I've grown up where I don't do names on jerseys with the exception mm-hmm. of legends and not to say Foligno is not a legend, but like I would get a Minnesota wild Jersey of Caprice and Marc-Andre Fleury, because Marc-Andre Fleury is a freaking Hall of Famer, and to have him associated with the Wild is still very cool to me, very amazing. Other than that, like, I just, I've never done the name Jersey thing.
2: See, I just get very attached. See, this and is the problem. Because then, yeah, I'm are you a, a fan, fan at, at the end of the day. The I am a fan year. first and foremost. So, yes, if I like a player, if they've earned my respect, which quite honestly, it's very hard to do. If you've earned it, I'm like, yeah you're my favorite. And like like, he was my first wild Jersey. Like I committed, I bought, I went to the hockey lodge. I didn't even buy a Jersey from China. Like I went to the hockey lodge and bought an authentic Jersey.
1: That's amazing. I, you spent your own money to do it. Yes.
2: My own money. I didn't get a discount on it either. Like (laughs) it was my money.
1: I'd I'd be curious. I want you guys to drop a comment in there. I'd be curious. Like, what are your takes on named Jersey? I'm not chastising necessarily. I'm chastising Kirsten because it's what we do, but I, I just am curious, like I've never, cause I'm always afraid that they're going to leave, right? Like you don't want them to leave and have this Jersey that you feel really, did you see the Carolina hurricanes guy who had a gossip spear flyers, Jersey, and who now plays for the Carolina Hurricanes? So he basically taped over the flyers logo, a Carolina logo, so he could still wear his ghost Jersey and, uh, the hurricanes gifted him in their game, a Jersey yesterday. That's incredible.
2: So, yeah. That's incredible. I like that a lot, Um, but everyone leaves me.
1: Everyone I love leaves me here, so that's, it's fine. I'm used to it. It, You should be. It's part of being a Minnesota fan. Um, Kirsten, now that we're heading into the off season, I'll be bikini sunbathing. You'll be working at your slaving restaurant job. Uh, Go visit her. Go tip her well at Texas Roadhouse, but um, there's also work to be done for Bill Guerin off season transactions. What are your priorities? Do you think for Bill Guerin? Does it involve him looking at the trade? Does it obviously the NHL draft is the first thing that comes up on board free agency comes in July draft is in June. Um, is it trying to work out contracts with other people? What's your priority list for Bill Guerin?
2: I would say working on the contracts with players, seeing what you can work out with the cap space you do have. I would say that's arguably first and foremost. And I'm sure already like in contract talks as we speak, clearly he is. Cause he resigned Marcus Johansson for two more years. So clearly like that was immediate. Like I, he, I don't think the guy even took a day off. Like he's been, I'm sure he's just been grinding away. Um, but also I would say evaluating the coaching staff is <laughs> another priority. I think Dean's good. Dean is safe. But the special teams assistant, the assistant coaches in charge of special teams. That's all of them.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'd agree. Specifically I... the
2: power play and penalty kill.
1: Yes. So see you, Bob. See you, Brent. Yeah. Darbs, you're always say I not it's crazy to me that Darby Henderson survives every time somehow, yeah. some way. But I do I, I, I think... think Darby's safe as well. I think the writing's on the wall for that. And you're right. And the more I know last episode, we were kind of calling. I particularly was literally calling for heads saying that, you know, Dean's likely to be under fire. I had an epiphany. They don't want to pay somebody that's no longer on the payroll. They had to do that with Bruce. They're obviously still paying Suter and Parisi without Mm -hmm. actually being here. So they'd have to do that with Dean too, because I think he's got another two years on his contract. Let me just verify that because I'd want to make sure. But yeah, I think so. He's probably safe for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, I imagine he's got to change things, right? Do you, I mean, do you think Dean is capable of changing his style and approach? Cause I think that's the biggest concern, right? Like, do you think he'll, I mean, be, yeah, be I I would
2: agree. I don't think it was really like a concern I had until I really got thinking about it when you brought it up last week, like. You look at the playoffs. I didn't even realize how bad, like, historically his playoff record is just for all of the teams he's coached. And I think part of that is his lack of making adjustments in game or, like, even during the regular season when he kind of had, I would say, a huge opportunity to really shake up lines. We saw little line tweaks, but we didn't see any major, like, blow it all up and see what happens. And it was very ominous. I think heading into game six, I talked about a blender of lines and we didn't see that like the biggest thing I think we saw in game six was before the third period pulling Gus and starting flurry in net for that third period. So I don't know. I would say, especially seeing getting out coached by DeBoer in the series against Dallas, I would say his lack of making decisions in game, tweaking things when they're not working is the biggest concern for me.
1: Yes, and I was correct. He signed his three-year extension in 2021, so he is the head coach until 2025. Very oh, likely. Also, I have
2: another concern oh. with how many young players we have coming up. I'm concerned he doesn't work well with developing young talent. Like, especially, like, and maybe it's even bigger than Dean Everson, like the whole Kalen Addison situation this season, for one, I don't so much have faith that he's able to work with the young guys, which is pretty much our team for the next two years.
1: But then he's going to have to, right? Like he's going to have to, it'll be very, yeah. Can he do it? I don't know. It'll be very, I said this on John's hockey show as well. It'll be very money ball. Like, Oh, you want to play him? He's gone. You can't play him anymore. Like I'm traded him. Uh, zombie's gone too. (laughs) Like you just can't do it. And I think, I mean, I it's funny because that the knock on Dean is not developing young players when he's a coach that for the most part did help develop a lot of successful guys down in Iowa or not, excuse me, not in Iowa, down in the American hockey league, Freddie Goudreau as one. But yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to me, but it's going to have to change. And I think Bill Guerin, cause I feel like Bill Guerin might be feeling a little bit of heat himself too, right? I don't know that he necessarily recognized how difficult it was going to be to navigate the salary cap with these buyouts. I think obviously you knew. And again, zero regrets. I don't want to hear one person being like, Oh, I wish he wouldn't have done that. Like, no, we're absolutely happy with that. And I know Bill Guerin is as well. People I just don't... have been saying that the yeah. Facebook commenters have been Hindsight's saying we never should have got rid of suitor. Get, get real, get F and real, man. Like that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Um, no, I just think that he didn't realize how much it would handcuff him. And it's funny. I was listening to him on Dan Derrero yesterday over on KFan, And he was saying, uh, that, you know, I wish the salary cap itself would have gone up a little bit more to help us out. Right. Cause it's still, and that's, there is the salary cap will probably move up another million. So that helps a little bit this year. Um, but yeah, I imagine he's got to feel the heat. So he's got to relay that down to Dean. Like Dean, we've got to change things. Now I asked Bill what I thought was a very fair question, but I know it sounded dumb when I asked it, but my intent behind it was so after, you know, Bill kind of responded curtly and it wasn't a big fight. I love that everybody was like, oh, it's Russo and Billy going at it. like, no, it was just a curtness to the response. And, and Russo continued to ask the question. Cause it was a fair question about getting over that playoff hump. Um, and in the course of Bill answering it, he said something along the lines of like, you know, it's, it's going to be hard. There's going to be some pains to get where we need to be in order to get through the next year. So my response is like, well, is a playoff team, a thing that we're going to be seeing? Like, should we be as consistently expecting the playoffs as you do? Like, is there, should there be a year that you don't make the playoffs because you're in that quote unquote, kind of rebuilding mantra. And obviously Bill laughed. And I think he understood what I was saying. Like, he didn't make me feel stupid by any means. Uh, he's not that kind of person, but he was saying like, it's no, of course you still want to make the playoffs. So it's not a full rebuild, but I do wonder, like, do you take these next two years back a little bit? Are you, do you just kind of be okay with taking that step back? Knowing you have these young guys, as I said, This year was a disappointment because I didn't have the expectations that I did last year, you know, or the year prior, you don't have the pieces Mm -hmm. next year, probably going to feel the same way. I don't know, Kirsten like, yes, it sucked to not make the playoffs. It'd be a weird thing in Minnesota and every, so many teams make the playoffs. It shouldn't be that hard, Mm -hmm. but would you be devastated? Or do you think it would be part of the plan if the wild missed the next two years?
2: I'm fully expecting to miss the playoffs the next two years, to be quite honest. And I mean, yeah, it's gonna be weird because the Wild have consistently been in the playoffs, whether they're getting bounced out of the first round or not. There's only like one, I think one year since 2015 that 2019 they missed. They missed 2019 yeah. they missed. Um, so yeah, we're used to being in the postseason. We're used to having a short stint <laughs> a week in April where we're playing. Um, so it's gonna be weird. But I mean, yeah, I think after this season, this I don't wanna say was the last hurrah but I think things are going to be changing in Minnesota, moving, getting ready for, again, like I mentioned earlier, like a passing of the torch, if you will, what we've come to know in Minnesota. And then really like, I think starting the next couple of years where we won't get to see everything Bill Guerin wants to do, but like, I feel this will really start to feel like Bill Guerin's plan moving into the organization. He's really trying to build on the ice and so it's going to be weird. It's going to be a lot of growing pains, but that's just where we're at. And I think everyone needs to buckle up, saddle up, get ready
1: for the ride, because that's that's what we're in for. Well, now that Kirsten and I have effectively brought down your Monday, let's get Kevin Gorg in here to re-positivity, re- re- uh, what what's, whats the word I'm looking for? Reignite. Re- reignite, our pa- uh, reignite our positivity. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Kevin Gorg. What's going on? You guys, Jesse Pierce here by now you already know how successful Livia's doctor recommended program has been for me, but I want it to be a hit for you too. join today and receive three months free plus a free gift during Livia's client appreciation week running May 6th through the 12th. I'm down more than 20 pounds since joining Livia and far and away ready for the off season away from the rink and hitting the beach. Get Summer ready today by calling 855 GoLivia or visit livia.com. That's 855 GoLivia or livia.com and let them know Jesse Pierce in the Bardom Beauty sent you. Out. Well, we are back joining us now the ever popular, ever beloved uh contract negotiator Harshon Jesse Kevin Gorg in the house. What's up KG? How are you? I'm good, you
0: guys. Episode 176. I saw that in my Zoom meeting uh, information when I logged on. That is pretty impressive. 176 of these shows. I've even had a chance to be a part of three or four of them.
1: Exactly. I love that. I think you were like our third ever guest and then you kicked Mm -hmm. off the season with us too. You are back as we unfortunately are wrapping up the Minnesota Wild season. Kirsten and I had some hot takes, hostile words after our immediate reaction when the wild were bounced in game six, Kevin, how do you look back on the year and the postseason in general for your Minnesota wild?
0: Well, I look at the, the year two ways they overachieved in the regular season. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I think when I look back to where I was in September, looking at Gustafson and camp and flower another year older, I'm like, man, if these guys can be in the conversation and have a chance to make the playoffs in those final couple weeks, I think I'd be happy. I I thought it was a coin flip that they'd even get in, and I I didn't think they'd eclipse 100 points in back-to-back seasons, so they overachieved during their regular season, and Dallas was a legitimate favorite. They were healthy. I think if you follow the betting lines, uh, they were like minus 175 to win that series, but what's disappointing for me is, once again, the Wild grabbed a 2-1 lead in the series and then played their worst hockey of the series, and you know, part of that is certainly who wasn't there. Jewel Eriksson at the top of that list. And a part of it was they got too wrapped up in the officiating. When when I look back at the playoffs and, and what happened with Dallas is Pete DeBoer in Dallas showed more composure and and handled the pressure of the playoffs better than Dean Everson in the Minnesota wild. And that's just the bottom line. I mean, they just got too wrapped up in the, you know, Dallas and the, the diving and the physical grit stuff and taking penalties and You know, the special teams once again was a struggle. And because of all that emotion and all those penalties, they got beat.
2: I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, KG, how upset are you with Jesse that she picked the wild to win in seven, knowing (laughs) how superstitious you are? You know, it felt like the Titanic when it hit that iceberg.
0: When I got that update that that Jesse had actually picked Dallas. I mean, all year long, there were simple instructions involved here. (laughs) Kirsten was allowed to pick Minnesota because she wins at about a 75 to 80% clip. And Jesse was banned from picking the wild because her picks were wrong 75 to 80% of the time. And so when it comes down to how meaningful playoffs are, I thought she was more of a team player and it, it hurt that that she went that direction and it cost us.
1: You know what? I let hope sink into my soul just a little bit. I wanted it. I wanted to will it. Next year
0: you'll learn from this mistake. Next year you'll pick the other side and we'll have a better chance of winning
1: i get it, it
0: you know jinxes aren't real and that whole narrative that the tries to shovel out on his social media platforms but truthfully with jesse they really are real
1: <laughs> the, the kiss of death if you will <laughs> <laughs> i walked into that practice right before the series was about to kick off and kevin asks me who did i pick and i said i picked the wild and seven he goes well that's it that's over. It's done. It's not even a hope. He gave up on them immediately because of my poor judgment. I apologize. Apologize mostly to you, Kevin. Apologize to the fans. It is on me. It's not on anybody else, but it's on me. I should let (laughs) Bill Garrett know that as well.
0: No, we'll we'll move. We'll move on to better days ahead, but it, it it really, it was a hell of a fun season. And I, I mean that sincerely, like you look at this, I know wild fans get so bitter and with Twitter now, everything is just, just a cesspool of negativity. But if you really look at this year for what it was, I don't care who they've got on the roster. If 97 is taking the ice every night, I'm on the edge of my seat. But then you look at Matt Boldy, and we got a little glimpse into the future with with Brock Faber. And, and I'll go back to Gustafson. Like, I can't believe what Bill Guerin has found here. Like, when he came to training camp, I remember vividly watching some of those scrimmages and thinking, holy cow, the, the progress that guy made from where they were at the start of the year to where we are now, uh, looking back after this season, dramatically different. And you factor in that Jesper Wallstead had a solid year in Iowa. I mean, the future does look great. I know people don't want to hear that right now because we're still fresh off this, this loss against Dallas, but the prospect pool is there. The young talent is there. And I know we've got a couple of years with with the old hand, their arms tied behind our back trick with uh, Suter and Parisi. But I like where this thing is going. And I know, I know if Bill Guerin is a part of this thing. At some point, we're going to get that run. We're going to win that cup.
1: You know, at KG, you are the goalie guru, if you will, a legendary goaltender yourself. How huh. do you feel about the tandem? Do you think Philip Gustafson, obviously he proved us through 39 starts and a handful, uh, during the postseason that. He is capable of being the 1A. Mark andre Fleury, as we know, is a fantastic human, fantastic goaltender, okay with taking the secondary starts. Do you think that tandem will be as successful next year in the regular season as we saw this year?
0: I think it's a hard, you know, a, a, they raised the bar to a high point, and I, I think Gustafson still has some growing to do, and I think the playoffs will help him because, you know, listening to his assessment of his own play, he was great in game one and just pretty average after that, so... It's a process. And I think for goalies, you you don't really know who they are until they get into the 150 to 200 game range. And he's nowhere near that right now. That's the exciting part. You know, Mark Andre Fleury already has had a giant impact on his development and they seem to play well off each other. They play a completely different game, but no, I, I, I feel good about the fact that Gustafson will probably play what two of every three games next year, that, that progress and that development can get sped up by him kind of taking over. And Marc-Andre Fleury seems excited to be just a part of the team and be that guy waiting in the wings. And when he plays, he'll play with that passion and 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 I think put out uh, the team in a position to win hockey games. So, no, I feel good about it. I, I really do because Gustafson is just really kind of dipping his toes into the water here. And for goaltenders, experience seems to be everything, and he's still getting
1: his. And moreover, it allows Jesper Wellstead another year down in Iowa. Do you think that is – the right play there. I mean, Bill Guerin has overemphasized, you know, the development, the need to not rush these guys, which I completely agree with, but I know everyone's clamoring because we know what Jesper is capable of, but it took him a while to find his footing in North American hockey here, uh, this year down in Iowa.
0: Yeah. I think the the more time you can give him to really settle in and and find his feet and be the guy down there, the better he'll be when he gets up here. And I think the the timing is obvious. It looks like, you know, Fleury has one more year left. My guess and everybody's guess is he'll retire. So you've got Wallstead down there and maybe they sprinkle in a, a handful of starts for him in this upcoming season. You never know what, you know, the, the season will present as far as injuries and how those goaltenders play. But I wouldn't be shocked if he got a little taste of it next year. And then in two years, you know, you look at a, a tandem that could feature Gustafson and Wallstead uh, uh, two young goaltenders with bright futures, Uh, This is a team that that really, um, if you look at where they're headed and and some of the young players that we still haven't even seen at the professional level in our organization, by the time they they finally get the Suter and Parisi money off the books here, and I'm talking about three years from now, uh, look out because Bill Guerin's going to have money to take some big swings. There's going to be some young players that have had time to kind of get their seasoning and, and kind of get their careers off and rolling. There's real potential here. It's still going to come down to some some other players that need to take a step. I think of Marco Rossi. I think of Kalen Addison. What do we get from Sammy Walker? There are players that are closer right now than some of the prospects I'm talking about. But if you're a Wild fan and and maybe you're starting to get over that disappointment of the playoffs and you really look at this thing and break down where this organization is, uh, the, the future is absolutely going to be a good one. And there is a cup run coming.
2: I hope you're right, KG, because I think everyone here deserves it, especially this past week. I mean, this has been this has Hmm. been a kind of rough, emotional roller coaster of a week for a lot of people. Um, What have you been doing to cope?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm getting ready for the Kentucky Derby. We've got a big weekend out (laughs) of Canterbury, so that's allowed me to kind of move into, you know, my summer gig and get into horse racing, but no, I, it's been tough. I, I watch every night and it's not the same when your team is eliminated. And I see Seattle in the second round and it's, it's bittersweet because I'm a fan of Dave Hackstall. I used to cover him when I did college hockey uh, back on Fox sports North, when I was working more in the WCHA and I've known Hackstall for a long time. So I'm really happy for him and, and guys like Carson Susie and Ryan Donato and some of the players on that roster. But then I'm like, wait a minute. The Seattle frickin' Kraken get to go to the second round, and we're stuck once again um, on the sidelines watching everybody else play. And you know, I look at what Vegas has cultivated with that expansion team and how, how well they've done. They look like one of the favorites now. I guess what softens the blow a little bit is Boston. I mean, <laughs> they had an all-time record year. They look like a train ready to roll all the way to the Stanley Cup final, and they couldn't get out of the first round. So I guess if I'm a Minnesota sports fan, I can – say, well, at least once in a while, the new England sports market has to feel a little bit of our pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you know, talking about the Boston Bruins and bringing up superstitions, do you think the president's trophy is cursed?
0: Boy, it sure feels that way. If you look at the numbers, I mean, that might be bigger than the Jesse Pierce curse. I'm not sure, but do you want to be the number one seed? Do you want to be the team with home ice all the way through? Um, I don't know what to make of it because clearly um, you have a season like Boston had, you have the depth of talent that make the moves at the deadline to bring in key players. And they point a Florida team that frankly was mediocre all year and was lucky to even get into the postseason. But this is what the hockey playoffs give you. And I think if you're a wild fan and you're like, well, I don't want to wait three years. I don't want to wait for the Suter and Parisi buyouts to be off the books. I want something now. The Florida Panthers should give you some hope because if you can get into the playoffs, strange things can happen. Teams can get hot, and and teams that are looked at as unbeatable, like Boston was, and even Toronto was a heavy favorite in this series, uh, things change dramatically in the NHL playoffs, more than any other of the core four. So get in and have a chance. And I think Florida has taught us that this year because they've caught lightning in a bottle. They were left for dead in that series. They win one game, a game they were completely outplayed in on a fluky play where a goaltender misplays the puck. And their whole season and their whole fate gets tipped upside down.
1: I mean, it's interesting to me that the way that teams are winning are very different. Like you look at Florida, Florida's winning behind Sergey Bobrovsky and and Matthew Chuck as well. But right. I think Bob is playing unreal hockey in net. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the quote last night from the Toronto goaltender who said, I don't give an F how Bob is playing. We're both doing our job, but then Seattle isn't necessarily just relying on goaltenders. Seattle kind of has all these different pieces. And granted, we've seen Seattle time and time again throughout the season. They had a heck of a season. This isn't really a total shock how well they're doing now. Um, I think what frustrates me, you guys, is that it proves that Dallas is beatable, right? Like, I think that's what still kind of irks me. I've, I've made amends. I've, I've come to terms with the season being over. Um, I am now jobless you guys, which is great. Cause I'm just going to spend the summer out in the backyard. But, um, do you guys think that the Minnesota wild could have beaten Dallas? Had they kind of play, you know, let's forget that they didn't have jewel Eric Sinek, which I do think made a huge impact, but in general, if they had kind of gotten their things together a little bit earlier, Dallas was beatable K- KG start, start us off. What do you think?
0: They were beatable. You know, I just think the room for error um, for Minnesota uh, certainly narrowed when Jewel Erickson got hurt. I remember that night uh, in Pittsburgh and uh, just the feelings we all had, you know, the Ryan Carters and all of us that travel with the team, like this was such a huge setback. They proved, though, after the first three games that there was a template for success. And I think the biggest thing they could have done is played – a game that was more dictated by five on five hockey, not getting wrapped up into the emotion of the series, the physical side of things. You can still play a, a grit first style and play in your face hockey and get out there and play the way you want to play without going over the top. And I, you know, I look at the play by Marcus Felino and I know it wasn't a five minute penalty, but you can't help, but think at that point in the series, um, how momentum had shifted to the point where Dallas was in our heads. And, and now, you know, when that official review happens, you know, the fact that Marcus Foligno kind of aired the officials out the, the, the game before in his post-game press from the locker room with everybody gathered around uh, big number 17 probably didn't help. And I think there's a better way to go about it. Um, but no, the, the wild didn't have a lot of room for error. You're going against the goaltender and Jake Ottinger that frankly was just okay uh, in games two and three, and then really got to his game and he's a top five goalie in the world in my opinion. So uh, between the Ek loss, who you're playing, the health of Dallas. And, you And know, you think of, okay, well, wait a minute, Dallas lost Joe Pavelski. We've seen how good and impactful he can be in this series with Seattle. Let's not forget that when Pavelski went out, his replacement in all those key areas is a guy named Tyler Sagan, who's a stud, no disrespect to Sam Steele. But when Julia Erickson Eck goes out and you're plugging in Sam Steele, it's not a fair fight. So um, it was going to be difficult. There was a way to do it. But I, I do think is if you really look at this and, and handicap the series and know that Dallas was a heavy favorite, the better team probably won.
2: Yeah, I think part of it, too, was I think it was the Wilds' lack of making adjustments when they needed to during the game. Um, again, like even just watching part of this Seattle series, it seems like Dallas has figured Jake Ottinger out – or excuse me, Seattle has figured Jake Ottinger out a
1: little bit more than the well, Wilds I- were able to – Jesse. I've been saying I said it the whole first <laughs> series go blocker side on him he was bad on that in high school too
2: <laughs> sorry
0: there's a way to beat him up high you can't beat him down low very often right. maybe five hole but you're right you guys both talk about uh and we we showed it during our broadcast and they looked at the numbers throughout the entire balance of the season and I want to say it's close to 75 percent of the goals were scored either blocker high or glove high and that's the only place you can beat the guy because he's a big body that's quick and agile and moves big and he's got those giant pinball flippers down low and so you know there is a way to beat him and I think if you watch the way Kaprizov tried to attack him when he did get his chances even from bad angles he was going up high and he was going to that blocker side you guys are talking about you know it's a it's a frustrating result because when you get a 2-1 lead in the series and all that pressure shifts to Dallas you've got everything the way you need it and I didn't think they played a bad game in game four I just don't think they were as aggressive in game four as they were in game three i remember dallas coming out hitting a couple pipes early and there was a nervous tension in the building on that sunday afternoon completely different atmosphere from that friday night when it was just a crazy drunken party you know you get you get the families in there and the kids and then you get the minnesota sports theme and all god dallas got the first goal and you could just kind of feel the air coming out of the balloon to the Wilds' credit People forget that that game was 3-2 late, and they got the great a chance of all grade-A chances with Marcus Johansson on that play through the seam. Hey, Ottinger makes that save. That puck goes in. I'm telling you, it's probably a different series. That's the, the lot in life we have right now to kind of reflect on what could have been. But I I didn't like the way they played game five. I don't think they gave themselves a chance to win, and I think that kind of carried over to game six. Dallas had all the confidence and all the momentum.
2: Well, you also bring up Marcus Johansson. How huge is it that we have Mm -hmm. him for a couple more years?
0: Yeah, guys, that's exciting, right? You guys got a chance to to get to know him a little bit this year. He's just a quality guy. And Bill Guerin has a knack for for getting these guys to sign team-friendly deals early in the negotiations. I mean, we've seen it with Ryan Hartman. We've seen it now a couple of times. Freddie Gaudreau with that extension. And, you know, you take a look at this. I I didn't think the Wild would get him for – around $2 million a year, especially after what we saw here late in the season and into the playoffs, the impact he has on that second line uh, with Boldy, the, the way he can ignite a power play, the skill set that he brings to the table. Phenomenal signing. Um, it's going to get dicey here. I think fans have no idea, you know, once they start to let the dominoes fall, how difficult this is going to be for Bill Guerin and his staff and how much really the Wild are going to re- rely on some of these players that are in Iowa right now to be a part of this team next year. I, I mentioned those names earlier, you know, Sammy Walker and Marco Rossi specifically, um, if they're going to get this done and they still got to sign Gustafson and let the chips fall where they may, um, there's not a lot of wiggle room here for for Bill Guerin and his staff.
1: Kirsten and I talked earlier about the off-season priorities and things that we'd like to see Bill Guerin do. <laughs> Excuse me, Matt Dumba, obviously a player that not probably going to come back in, in any capacity because you can't afford to do so. And he's got to go make his livelihood, but KG talk about dumbs and what kind of person he is and the player that you've seen him grow into be since he came here as, as a draftee and up to now, 10 years later.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty lucky you guys, this is just finished my 17th year doing the job. And so I've seen Matt Dumba from day one to where he is right now. And, and just for me, he's always been a, a really solid player on the ice, but it's always been what he's all about off the ice. He's such, um, just a character guy, right? He cares so much about, uh, his teammates. He cares so much about the community and he shows that in his actions. And, you know, I, I, I always go back to that story from a couple of years ago, uh, where it was a cold winter night here in Minnesota and he's driving home from a game around midnight and he sees a family on the side of the road with a, with an issue with their car and he pulls over, helps them fix their car, gets them to a safe spot and specifically asked them not to contact the media, didn't want the attention. I don't know how it leaked, but it did. That is who I, I will always remember Matt Dumba as with the Minnesota Wild, and it's going to be tough to see him go. I just love the kid. I love what he stands for. He's the best of the best in terms of uh, what a professional athlete should be. You don't have to be charitable, but Matt is, and he's in multiple areas in our community where he's had an impact, and so he'll be he'll be missed on the ice for sure. But for me, I'll miss the conversations, the fun off the ice, the energy he brought to the locker room, the pump up music that he provided uh, in the room. It's just, it's not going to be the same without him. It sucks. I understand it. And, you know, Matt's got to go make his living and the wild certainly can't afford to pay him. It's a lot like the Kevin Fiala situation. We all knew it was coming and when it actually happens, it is a bummer.
1: Didn't Dumb start the K-train nickname for you as well?
0: (laughs) Well, he stole that from Darby. Now, the the K-train thing, I get a lot of questions about this. Darby Hendrickson played with a guy named Christopher Kalanos, journeyman back in the day. Double Ks were his initials, kind of like Kirsten. And this journeyman scores a goal early in a hockey game and comes to the bench and looks at these veteran players like Darby Hendrickson and says, don't worry, boys, today – All you have to do is ride the K-Train. So he's talking to the third person, calling himself the K-Train. I I told Darby it's the greatest story I've ever heard, and I loved the story so much. I'd make him tell it multiple times. And so Darby, to get me to shut up and stop asking about Kalano, started calling me the K-Train, and I hated it. And then it just kind of got down to Brunette, who passed it down to Dumba, to Felino, and off we go.
1: I like it. I dig it. I, 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 that's what I'm going to go with. I, I like it. I like it almost as much as I like Jonas Brodeen cursing live on air with you. That's my <laughs> second favorite moment uh, of KG.
0: Of all the players, right? The nicest, most quiet, humble guy, Brodine. Uh This was during the pandemic, I believe, because I was interviewing him from up in the concourse to the headset and the whole thing. And it was on live TV and the look like a little kid that gets caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Jesse, you can relate with your kids running around there. Like, did I just, oh yeah, I just, I just did that, didn't I? Yeah, you did, Jimmy. Yeah, you did.
2: I need to go find that clip.
0: Oh, it's great. It's outstanding.
1: Kirsten is a Jonas fan, big, big Broads fan. Yes, very big fan. Tough you not could, to be. You you could actually do her a favor. Um, She wants to find all the Swifties in the Minnesota Wild locker room. So if you could ask yes. that question every oh, single my time goodness. on air, it's, I think there's more than we realize. Me to ask,
0: right? I mean, the Swifties are there for sure. You know, some of the music we hear in the room, there are tells. And uh, a lot of these guys don't have the greatest poker face. But if you think I'm going to go in there and ask about Taylor Swift, you got another thing coming. Double K, you might have to do your own legwork on this one.
2: K-Train, I need you to help a girl out here. I don't have the (laughs) locker room access that you do. Uh,
0: We'll we'll negotiate, but I think in the end, this might fall into the category of Jesse Pierce uh, will be – on the case and getting us the information. I'm not asking about Taylor Swift in any of my interviews. I can promise you that.
2: I'll do it. No, that's I'll- a little upsetting this early morning, but you know, we're I'm willing to grind. I'm willing to do the work. I've got that spreadsheet going. I'll put my boots to the ground. We'll get this done. I would say Brodeen
0: though is probably the if there's a betting board in the room, he's got to be the post time favorite for lead swifty. And I'm just guessing, just speculating. Um but those Swedes get it. They know uh, extreme talent, iconic music when they, when they see it and hear it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on the, on the 25 steam.
1: Since we're placing bets, KG, I know you got to get rolling. You've got a busy weekend at the racetrack. Um, want to get your two hot takes one. Who's going to win the Stanley cup. Now that the playing field has dwindled down slightly and two, your hottest take for the Minnesota wild offseason. Maybe it's bringing Matt Dumba back on a $1.2 million con. I don't know. Give me your hottest off-season take for the Minnesota Wild and your Stanley Cup winner.
0: Well, I talked before the Wild Series against the Dallas Stars, and and basically every interview I did, I said the winner of this series is going to the Cup. I believed it. Um, And so I'm going to go with the Dallas Stars. I I like their response in game two. I'm a huge Jake Ottinger fan. I don't like the team. I'm not going to sit here and tell you as an old North Star guy that I want to see Dallas win another Cup. But I can pull for Jake Ottinger and it would flatter the wild if they make a run right now, because I think wild fans have to realize that is a damn good hockey team that is healthy right now with a coach that I think can get them into the right spots. So if they can get through this crazy Seattle team, that won't go away this pesky group of crack. And I think Dallas could be the team. And then as far as my hot off season take, uh, I guess what I'm going to go with is this bill Guerin, will make an impactful trade. And I don't know what it's going to be, but I know the man and I've seen the track record and I love that he's got a little riverboat gambler to him. So there is going to be an impactful trade made where a big name, maybe a young player in on this organization right now is moved and somebody you haven't thought about is moved in. I don't have that glossary of names that Bill Guerin and his staff have, but my hot off-season take is there is a big trade coming somewhere down the line.
1: I mentioned the names. So yeah, we'll go with it. Let's, uh, let's go. I have the, I have the same feeling Bill Guerin kind of lightly indicated and then hardly hard indicated. There will be a trade this season. He just has to, there's not enough money to even right now do recalls from Iowa as they head into the next year. So I think things need to change.
0: Well, and I think if you look at Bill Guerin and what he's done, and I'll go back to Fiala last year, like everyone in the league knew the wild didn't have the money to pay Kevin Fiala. So He somehow negotiates a deal to get Brock Faber and a first round pick for Kevin Fiala. I I am blown away by what Bill Guerin and his staff have been able to do. And then I look at the moves he made this year and the impact that these players have had. I even go back to the, the Jake Middleton trade for a goaltender that as great a kid as he is, he's not an NHL goalie. I'm sorry. He's just not. I trust what they're doing and every move they make, there seems to be, as the time progresses you're like wow that actually was pretty shrewd so whatever he's going to do this summer maybe it's multiple deals um you got to feel good that that whatever he does will have a positive effect on this roster and as long as you've got karel kaprizov julie erickson matt boldy and some of the star power this team has right now um if their goaltending holds up they're going to be right back in the playoff conversation next year and and hopefully um you know, in these next two years before the, the buyouts are off the books, these guys can get over the hump, as Michael Russo talked about in that uh, exit interview with Bill Guerin. We got a little dicey there. Uh, but wild fans deserve it. They packed that building now year in, year out. It's such a great place to work. The three of us are, are privileged to that. And, and Double K, um, you're a part of that. And it's, it's an awesome place to watch a game. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that they continue to progress with their young talent, make some shrewd moves here in the offseason. And next year, make a little bit of a run. Hey, Train, you're
1: the best. Oh, go ahead. Christy. You always
2: make me feel so much better just listening <laughs> to you talk. It makes me hopeful.
1: It doesn't. Well, I'm still dead inside, KG. But that's not because of you. It's just too much of this. I can't do it.
0: It's tough. You know, listen. We're Minnesota sports fans. You know, we get beat up a little bit. But the beauty, Jesse, is and and Double K knows this. Is every time you get knocked down, you get back up, and you're just a little bit stronger. And we're gonna keep going. We're gonna keep fighting. Sooner or later, we're going to have one of these Zooms in the middle of like July, and we're still going to smell like champagne from being down on West 7th and celebrating yeah. that Stanley Cup. I believe it. I honestly believe it. I wouldn't say it unless I did. Bill Guerin, as long as he's here, it's going to happen. At some point, we are going to be drinking from the cup at Tom Reed's Hockey City Pub. We're going to push Kevin Fallness down the road. We're going to have a great time. Did you just Chumba Wumba us too?
1: I get knocked down, but I get up again. I feel like that's how we're we're gonna close the K train with a little Chumba Wumba. I don't mind it. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to reach back
0: into one of those cheesy good songs that uh, they overplayed, like Macarena. What was that Macarena? That that uh, yeah, we learned it in gym
1: class. Oh, fantastic! Favorite song. Well, K train, thanks for stopping by the Butte station. You're the best. We will see you out at Canterbury. I imagine this summer quite plenty. And then, uh, before we know it back at the hockey rink, I love it. Thank you so much, buddy. Thanks ladies. It's always fun to be with you. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. <music> ah, Kevin. How can he not love that man?
2: I love him, but I am a little upset. He said he wouldn't help me find out the Swifties in the locker room. I'll get over yeah. it. That's fine.
1: He will. He'll ask. He will. Questions. He will. He likes asking those questions to the guys. But we could. I mean, I have zero qualm. I could probably do that for you. It just is. Thank you. More you fun still didn't ask Kevin. Jonas
2: Brodeen if he was going on the Eras tour though.
1: While he was publicly speaking at a podium about how bad the team sucked in the playoffs, no, it felt I, like an inappropriate no, time. He, no, no,
2: no. You had time before then.
1: I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Actually he I you actually to be fair, I never he never takes morning skates. So there's never that. When you're that good, you just don't have to. It's when he's hurt. He doesn't he's maintenance day all year. So that's why I couldn't accomplish your requests. I will that'll be kickoff to training camp. Did well, you it won't matter at that tour? point? <laughs> well, but he could re Regal me on on uh <laughs> what he thought, maybe. That's true. I and I could have no skin that to out compare. There. there you go. See people, people get it. We'll we'll get work it. on it. We'll work on it. The uh, speaking of working on it, people are working toward the Stanley cup, even when the Minnesota wild are not, cause that's our lot in life. That's how things work. Kirsten now left with the field. I believe we both picked Boston if I'm not mistaken for the yes, Stanley cup, which like everybody else in the entire hockey world did. Um, who is your new favorite for the Stanley cup champion?
2: Oof, I'm really, really liking the way Florida is playing right now. I'm really, they're just, I see them going to the cup final. I don't see them winning. Um, dang, that's dang. hefty. I'm going to say Vegas and I hate to say <sighs> that, but I think it's going to be Vegas. I don't, uh, I don't want to see Vegas. Cause they've been a team in existence for what, four, five years now. I am so anti the expansion teams that are doing well. Seattle, no, I don't want to see you advance out of the second round because I'm bitter at the expansion teams doing well. So no, no, I don't want any of it, but I think it's going to be Vegas.
1: I'm going Toronto out of the East because I feel like if Toronto can do it, that gives Minnesota hope. Again, like, hey, look at what Toronto and I love Mitch Marner. I'm such a Mitch Marner fan. Same, um, but they did it, Matthew Nyes did unfortunately go down with an oh, injury yeah.
2: in last yeah. night's game, and that's a huge loss.
1: Yeah, yeah, they that's their Jesus out there. That's their caprice off. They think, they think, I think he'll be fine. He'll be great out there too. No, but I think for some reason I'm feeling Toronto. I don't know why. I don't like Florida. I think it's because I'm not a big Paul Maurice fan, mm. and so I just I don't care for Florida. So I'd like Toronto to go Carolina. Obviously I do like Carolina too. For some reason, I keep forgetting about that series as a whole. Keep forgetting about Carolina. No disrespect. I just do. Sorry. So let me answer Toronto in the East and I kind of want Seattle. I don't know why I just do. Ultimately I want whoever has the most Minnesota. Yeah. But it's kind of fun to watch them do this. Like after, so they're because they're not like Vegas, they sucked last year. Right. And then they didn't really change a whole lot. Now this year they came into the regular season, doing all this stuff because guys finally bought in. Like we had our boy Everett Fitz Fitzhugh on earlier on in the year to talk about what was making Seattle so good. So go back and listen to that episode. But like, I don't, and plus Seattle's jerseys look like ours. Let's go with that. Like, let me pull a real girly thing and say like, oh, they look like our jerseys. We like that. Like, I don't know. Seattle I just, a team fun.
2: In their second year of existence, it is not fair. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be that person. When you look at Minnesota, who's been around for over 20 years and has never made a Stanley cup final. I don't want to see it.
1: No, Life's wait, your fair. turn.
2: Kirsten, not please. fair. And I'm going to be better about it.
1: Life's not fair. I'm sorry. Well, let me know your guys' picks. Would love to hear it. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Cause we don't want to keep droning on about the same stuff. We will still be giving you content each and every week. Probably unless we're on vacation or doing something way cooler, but generally speaking, we do have another one final live show coming up at the end of the month in Hastings. So be sure to stay tuned to our social channels for more details on that. As always, thank you to our awesome sponsors, uh, talk North grain belt, Jim beam, Livia and Royal credit union. You guys all rock. Have a great rest of your week and, uh, we'll be in touch. (laughs) No, we won't. That was weird. (laughs) We won't be in touch, guys, but you know what I mean. Have a good one.
2: This podcast is made possible due to listeners like you. Thank you.